Hi, I'm David Walker, and welcome to the Brain Tumor Podcast. If you haven't listened to one of these podcasts before, the aim is to educate and inform. It's to provide much-needed information for those wishing to find out more about brain tumors. Please, if you like the show, leave us a good rating. In that way, more people get to hear about us, and therefore more people will be potentially helped by the information in the podcast. Now, on to today's episode. Hi, and welcome to Series 2, Episode 2 of the Brain Tumor Podcast. This is David Walker. Thanks again for your support. Uh, It's really appreciated. Today I want to talk about an unusual tumor called hemangioblastoma. It's a tumor that's characterized by stromal cells within the tumor and abundant blood vessels. It's a benign and slow-growing tumor, generally of adults, and typically occurring in the brain stem, the cerebellum, which is the back part of the brain, or the spinal cord. They can occur sporadically, and most of them are in sporadic cases. That's about 70% of the time. But also can occur in a familial tumor syndrome called von Hippel-Lindau disease. And so that accounts for about 30% of all hemangioblastoma cases. More about von Hippel-Lindau disease when I discuss familial tumor syndromes in a, in a future episode in this series. Characteristically, the von Hippel-Lindau gene, which is a tumor suppressor gene, if you're interested, is inactivated in both sporadic and, um, and inherited uh, cases. They're generally, the hemangioblastomas, that is, uh, are generally considered grade one or low-grade benign tumors, but that doesn't mean that they're not significant and can cause and can't cause significant and life-threatening problems. In fact, they are rare, um, and they, as I said, occur in adults generally in the sporadic form, middle to old elderly adults, um, and in younger adults when associated with von Hippel-Lindau disease. They can occur in any part of the nervous system, but the sporadic tumors in particular occur in the cerebellum particularly the hemispheres of the cerebellum, in about 80% of, the, uh, of cases. When the, the tum- these tumours are associated with von Hippel-Lindau disease, they're often multiple, that is in about two-thirds of cases, and they can affect the brain stem, the spinal cord, or even nerve roots, in addition to the cerebellum. Tumours associated with the supersentorial brain, that is the cerebrum, or peripheral nervous system are rare, but they can occur. Generally speaking, um, clinical features are as, as what, what what one might might expect when uh, a tumor recurs, say in the cerebellum. So symptoms can uh, are related often to obstructive hydrocephalus when the tumor and the cyst associated with the tumor causes impairment of cerebrospinal or CSF fluid flow. So that's a very common scenario when the tumour in the cerebellum expands, blocks off the flow of CSF, and obstructive hydrocephalus occur, um, uh, is results, and that, result, that causes raised intracranial pressure. That is, headaches, drowsiness in, in later stages, etc. But cerebellar deficits can also occur, and and they are often imbalanced and poor coordination on the same side as where the tumour is often. 
Spinal tumours usually become symptomatic due to local effects on the spinal cord, so weakness, even pain and, and sensory changes, and, and bowel and bladder disturbance as well. Interestingly, these tumours in a few cases uh, can produce erythropoietin, which is the hormone normally produced in the kidney, which results in production of red blood cells. So um, a finding in about 5% of uh, patients who have a hemangioblastoma is actually a raised uh, blood cell count, the red blood cell count. Hemorrhage from these tumours, despite the fact that they are very vascular, is actually rare. Now, when uh, imaging is done via a CT or particularly an MRI scan, um, a characteristic appearance is that a tumour which, which in the cerebellum with an associated cyst, uh, that is a fluid-filled um, cyst, and the tumour um, is highly vascular, so it enhances with contrast. And that tumour nodule is often at the periphery of the cyst, just under the surface of the brain. So MRI is the classic and, and most defining um, investigation. So there's, an, as a, just in summary, there's a gadolinium-enhancing mass, so that's the contrast given with MRI, associated with a cyst in the, in the great majority of cases. The solid component, usually peripherally located within the cerebellar hemisphere, you may see also flow voids or prominent blood vessels. And in the spinal cord, there's often an associated syrinx, which is a fluid build-up within the spinal cord. Now, the reason why these tumours are associated with cysts, fluid-filled cavities, is that they are highly vascular and the blood vessels within the tumour are leaky, and so they leak fluid from the blood vessels and the fluid accumulates as a cyst. So when we look at the, the tumours macroscopically, either at pathological specimen or at surgery, is that most of the tumours are well-circumscribed nodules and partially cystic, but they are very uh, vascular. And so there's often one or several um, expanded blood vessels or arteries feeding the tumour and also a tumour, um, a, dra a draining vein, so that they have the... They behave, in fact, like a, a small arteriovenous malformation at surgery. The treatment is surgical, uh, that is surgical resection um, in almost all cases. Surgery is challenging, and basically the problem is with these tumours is, is not so much access, but removing the tumour without creating significant and even life-threatening bleeding. And the way a surgeon does that is by circumventing the tumour itself or circumdissecting the tumour and not diving into the middle of the tumour. I've certainly had the experience when I, I, the nature of the tumour, that being a hemangioplastoma, was not appreciated preoperatively and that getting into the tumour itself before I could get to the blood supply created significant and certainly disconcerting bleeding at the time. Fortunately for that gentleman who was the patient, um, it all went well at the end. Um, but if we can, if at surgery we can get around the tumour nodule and devascularise it uh, before removing it, then that is fairly 
straight can be straightforward or can be difficult, as I said, um, but is usually successful. The cyst itself um, doesn't need to be removed, other than the fact that we enter into the cyst to get to the tumour nodule in most cases. Um, if surgery is not possible um, or partial resection is only um, achieved, then at times radiation therapy can be useful in these cases. Now, when the tumour specimen is sent to the pathologist, a, a characteristic appearance is seen under the microscope where there's a, a stromal component, which means a, a sort of a mesenchymal or epithelial, or not really epithelial, a mesenchymal component that is composed of cells that are large and, and often vacuolated so that they have a lot of um, material within them. But there is a lot of variation in the, in the cell appearance. But the another very characteristic appearance is the multiple uh, vascular uh, channels within the tumour, hence the appearance on, on MRI imaging and uh, at surgery. Uh, another point about the imaging, um, occasionally it's useful to do a, an angiography a test before surgery to identify um, vascularity of the tumour and also sometimes the, the nodules are, are seen better by angiography than on MRI imaging. So that's just another point about preoperative investigation. Now the prognosis for these tumours is excellent if a complete resection is, is achieved. Um, because people with von Hippel-Lindau disease often have multiple tumours, um, they their prognosis may not be as good and they may require multiple operations over over many years. Um, but overall, this is a benign tumour. Hemangioblastomas are benign tumours. Um, they can present in unusual ways but and treatment can be challenging but is generally successful and leads to a good long-term prognosis. Thanks for listening. The information in this podcast is general in nature and it's not a substitute for the medical advice that you get from your own doctors. I'm not able to provide specific information or advice relating to your condition or anyone's individual condition in this podcast. But if you do have suggestions or feedback, please let me know and send me an email at professordavidwalker at brisbrain.com.au. That's all small case, professordavidwalker at brisbrain.com.au. Thanks very much. Have a great day.